Amen. Wonderful to hear the word of the Lord already. My chosen language this morning will be English. Uh, it's one of the top languages that I know. Uh, the other one, I have no idea what I'm saying, but the Lord does. Um, I was, uh, that's really encouraging, encouraging to hear some of the words that we've been hearing as well. And, um, but my, my subject this morning, I may go a little bit over time, um, not just because I'm starting later, but every time I, I do my notes, I think, oh, this is going to be a long one. But for some reason, I always seem to hit 40 minutes. So, you know, maybe that's what's going to happen. Recently, I've been studying um, Hebrews, and I've just been getting into it quite a lot and just rereading it and studying it and thinking about it, and the Lord's really been speaking to me through it. And I wanted to continue this whole thought about um, when I spoke a couple of weeks ago about the promise and the promises of God, and particularly as it relates to our salvation. And I had this thought this week as I was considering what to talk about, and it, and it was, um, are we um, aware or do we know the strength of our foundation in God for our salvation um, so that we are ready for the day of trouble? Let me just say that again. Um, in other words, do you know what you believe strong enough about your salvation that when everything comes against us, it's strong enough for you to stand. And that's what, where I, I started from. And I just really feel just to share this morning from Hebrews chapter 11 about faith. Because I'm believing that, um, well, if, if, if you know anything about faith, it is what we, how we live. The Bible particularly says that my righteous one shall live by faith. Or, um, the, you know, we are to live by faith. So, um, it's in that area that I want to look at, and I'm going to just go through the scriptures, and um, so if you've got Bibles, then that's even easier for you, but the words will come up on the screen as well. And Hebrews is an interesting book because it's written to people that are very similar, at a time, very similar to our time here from a Christian perspective. They, they weren't under persecution in, order, in that they were losing their lives over it, like, like many of the Christians were later on. But they, they were in a very much a point where it affected maybe their employment. It affected their relationships with their neighbors. Like some of them had come under a lot of taunting, a lot of uh, abuse. Um, in fact, if you, if you want to look at Hebrews chapter 10, 32 to 39, you can read some of these things. It says... Um, and, and this, this book as well is, is written like a sermon. It's not written like a letter. So it's like a sermon, which gives, a, 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 if you're reading it, a different perspective. But he says this, Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, that is, when you come to knowledge of the truth, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. But you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And the whole of that kind of sums up the attitude of this preacher. He's saying, it, it can sum up like this. He's saying, don't go back, press on, endure, persevere. Because what was happening for these Jewish Christians was that they were, many people were turning back to the Jewish faith because it was easier for them. They weren't having the reproach. They weren't having the abuse. Their, their houses weren't being burgled or they weren't being put in prison. Um, it, was, it was easier for them. And this whole sermon is, is basically summed up saying, don't go back, press on. And, and in, the, in the context of this, we, we see this chapter where um, he talks about faith. And so, um, so let's go through it. I'm just going to read the first three verses and then I'll read it in sections, and then we can, well, I'll talk, you can listen. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, but for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I just want to pick out four things from this as a summary of this chapter. So if you're making notes, this is quite good if you're putting them on your phone or whatever. The first thing is, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith, there is a faith that enables us to believe for things in the future as if we have them now today. So God may have spoken to you something that it is as ironclad, rock solid to you, yet you have not yet received it. That's what faith does. So if we're going to look at what faith is, this is the first thing, assurance. It's a, a conviction of things that you have not seen. That's the first thing, assurance. The second thing is this, for by faith, the people of old, so the people written in the first part of our Bibles in the Old Testament, not just the Old Covenant, um, the people of old received their commendation. And what I want to... I'll bring out there, what he's talking about is this. They received their righteousness by faith. They received salvation. That's what he's talking about. We'll go into this. So the second thing is that by faith, we can know an assurance of things to come. By faith, we can know an assurance of our salvation. And the third thing, it says, and by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The third thing is that we can understand things by faith. There, there are things that we just understand, and people say, but there's no scientific evidence, but I know it. I've had a revelation. It's a revelation, an understanding by faith. And the fourth thing, which isn't in these first three chapters which you look at, is that by faith we obey. By faith we outwork. Faith without works is dead. So assurance, righteousness, revelation, obedience. Okay, I can see you all making notes. It's fantastic. Well done. You know, righteousness, I'm going to start with righteousness because that's where we go into our next um, uh, passage, four, verses four to seven. Let's read it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, what's just to say, if you don't know these things, um, the, the people mentioned in this, in this few verses are people from old. Abel was the son of Adam, the first created man, whose brother was Cain. 
Um, he talks about Enoch. He talks about Noah. Um, and these people are people that are way, way back, even before Moses and the law and the founding of the Jewish um, nation. These are way, way back people, um, which is really important. So by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let me just pick out some of these things. God um, commended Abraham as righteous. By faith, Enoch pleased God, which is by faith, which is another way. If you please God, then you, you are righteous because without righteousness, none can please God. And Noah was an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, I don't know about you, um, what you think about the Old Testament saints because as Christians in a New Testament mindset, we, we, we look back to the cross and we say, Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I, I know that as something that's happened. I know this is, and I believed on, on Jesus and asked him to forgive me of my sin. He's taken away my sin and he's cleansed me, washed me and made me new and made me his. Therefore, I am saved. But what if he was able? What if he was Noah? What if he was Abraham, although he's mentioned next? What if he was uh, Enoch? These people, Jesus hadn't come to the earth at that time and died on the cross. So how do we understand salvation? How do you understand being righteous? Um, and I just want to pick out some verses just, to, just so that we're clear about righteousness because it says in the, uh, Romans 3 verse 10, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks for God. If, if we want to understand what it is that we're saved from, we're saved from the wrath of God because we are not, there's none of us righteous. There's none of us able to stand right before God. It goes on in verses 21 to 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And you can go on reading that passage for the sake of time, I won't. But can you hear this language? We are, there is a righteousness that is available through Christ to us. How does that impact the saints of old? Because in this passage, it says that they were commended as righteousness, righteous by faith. Um, now this really made me think, um, because what is my righteousness founded on? What is your righteousness founded on? Now, you might say, well, Jesus died on the cross for me, John. But sometimes our righteousness is founded on our good deeds. 
Sometimes it's founded upon our church attendance. Sometimes it's founded upon um, my, our prayer life or, or um, it's founded upon the, my background because I was brought up in a Christian family. Um, or was it founded, is my uh, righteous founded on an experience that I had one day in a meeting where I prayed the sinner's prayer? Is it, is it founded on a moment that occurred in my life? And um, I don't know if you think like this, but it's worth thinking about because this is the point. That something can come along that can be so persuasive that can challenge an experience. It can challenge an ex- a work life, if you like. It can challenge all these things. And the, the salvation that we have has to be solid and unmovable in the way that we understand it. And, and just this week, I'm just reflecting on how easy it is, it seems, for some to deny God and go back to an old life. And you think, but, you know, where's that faith to believe God for your righteousness? Why have you gone into the world looking for stuff? And, and this is what's just been in my mind, but there, there could be a day where, where you are in the firing line and you need to know what your salvation stands on. And this is what's encouraged me by Hebrews 11, because these guys, they... They didn't have the law, of the law of Moses, that came later on. They weren't because, it wasn't because they were following the law and they were great people. It wasn't because they did anything particularly special. Do you know what Abel did? He, Abel and Cain, you can read this in Genesis, they came and they made a sacrifice before God. Abel brought one of his lambs because he was a farmer and Cain brought some of his um, uh, farm produce There was nothing wrong with the two things. And it doesn't say, but God said that he accepted Abel and he commended him, he accounted him righteous because by faith. Abel came to God in faith and Cain didn't. Otherwise he would have been accepted. And when you break this down, you think, hold on a minute, where's the theology? Where's where's all the stuff that we gotta do and we gotta understand and we gotta, you know, um, not doing, all these kind of things. It came down to, in Abel's heart, faith, and if that's the noun form of the verb, believe, is to trust and rely on God. That's what it came down to. And this, that was for Abel. If you looked at Enoch, it said that he just walked with God. Noah, he trusted and relied on God and you can go and you can, Abraham, it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness because he was willing to believe God. And I think this is fundamental, you know, that these, these guys, they were saved because they simply believed God. Right back from, to the very, very beginning. And what's happens often that comes in between and comes into churches and has come across the ages is that something gets added on to it. And often it's to do with the way you live. Well, that person can't be saved because look at the way that they dress. Or that person can't be saved because look at the way that they talk. That's not biblical. Now, we get on to the expression of faith a bit later, but 
If you, if you want to know about how do we become righteous before God, that I can stand before God and be accepted on the day of judgment and know that, as it was really encouraged earlier, my name is written in the book of life. How does my name get written in the book of life? I'll tell you this morning, you've just got to believe, to put your trust in Jesus. And the old saints, it said that they looked forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. The Bible tells us that before the foundation of the earth, Jesus died for us. His work was timeless outside of time. The act, the spiritual act of his sacrifice was from the very beginning to the very end. But it's by faith. Faith for God. Enoch pleased God. No, you cannot please God without faith. Verse 39, if you, if you just want to jump there, you can read this. Um, and all these, all of these people that are mentioned in this chapter that we haven't read yet, there's people, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, all people that are under the law of Moses, it says, and all these, though commended through their faith, they were found righteous. And back in verse 35, it says about women receiving people, uh, they were tortured, it says, and this was their attitude, so that they might rise again to a better life. They knew where they were going. It's not just New Testament people that have this experience of the Holy Spirit that can say that for, out of assurance, I'm saved. It's by faith. It's not faith and spirit. It's not faith and works. It's not faith and church attendance. You know, there are, there are many big lists of... of um, I think that I, I, you just find people adding on. It might be lists of laws and experiences, etc. Let me just remind you of Paul and Silas when they're imprisoned in Philippi. Some of you might know, and it was mentioned, I think, again, uh, as a promise. Um, they're, they're in prison, Paul and Silas. Some of us might know the story. And they're singing praises to God because they're just abandoned to God, surrendered to God, and God moves, and the, there's an earthquake, and they get free, and, but they don't run anywhere, and the jailer comes along and says, I can see that you're Christians, I can see you know Jesus, how do I be saved? And what did they say, anyone? It was mentioned earlier. It said this, believe in the Lord Jesus, go to church, read your Bible every day, Go to the prayer meeting, make sure you're ministering, make sure that there's some evidence of the Spirit that everyone can see, make sure that you can preach or tell someone you're testing me if on cue. No. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. The simplicity of the gospel. Are you willing to trust and rely on God? That's what believe means. It's wonderful, isn't it? What about the thief on the cross? Where did he go? Today you will be with me in paradise because he believed. He didn't have to show his belief through his works. He didn't have time. But Jesus saw in his heart he had faith and he credited it to him as righteousness. Believe our salvation based on the promise of God set through the ages, the same promise spoken in Eden, the same promise spoken to Abraham, to David, to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and fulfilled in Christ on the cross is believe. 
If, and one, one of the things that someone may come up to you, and this happened in the New Testament time, said this, ah, but you know, in order for you to believe, you must be circumcised. In order for you to believe, you must do this. In order for you to believe, you must be here. You must do this. Not for your salvation, you don't. So that's the first thing that we can take from these, these wonderful saints of old. They believed God and God credited to them righteousness. Amen? Verses 8 to 16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, as with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as, uh, as an innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he has prepared for them a city. I know there's a lot to listen to here, but can you pick out these things? That Abraham, Sarah, and others like them had an assurance of the future. When God called him out of that land, he went, not going back because he had a picture of a future kingdom. It's a kingdom that we're experiencing now. And when Jesus returns, and so will the saints of old, we'll experience this wonderful kingdom together. That's what he saw. And you and I can have faith to see things that we may not even experience in our lifetime, but we can see them ahead and it will empower and cause us, enable us to pursue things for God even though we don't see it happening in our lifetime. That's faith. This is the faith of Hebrews 11. This is the faith that we have. Amen? Isn't that good? Good? You know, <clears throat> verse 13 is interesting because these all died in faith not having received the things promised. Um, this, this verse 35 again, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the, the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Let me tell you something. Just think about the prosperity gospel in the light of this. All right? This is faith. And all of these, though commended through their faith, verse 39, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. I'm going to go into that a bit later. In all, they went through the agonies of being tortured and sawn in two for a promise that they never was going to receive in their lifetime. But they had the faith for it. 
man alive. These people didn't have the spirit dwelling within them, which is the new covenant that we are in. They weren't in. This is why when at the end, when we get to chapter 12, um, the preacher says, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance. If they can do it, so can you. You can have faith that will believe through the most tragic of situations because God can give you a vision of the future. He can give you a vision of why it's worth going through. Amen. Prosperity Gospel says that we should expect blessing at every turn, health in every way. I tell you, whoever came up with that never read Hebrews 11. I don't know how you can read Hebrews 11 in that little passage, in those verses between 32 and 39, and believe in any kind of prosperity gospel. Verses 17 to 31. So that, that was um, about having, by faith we can have a vision of the future. Verses 17 to 31. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And listen to this verse. This is about revelation and understanding. He considered that, that God was able to, even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. In other words, he went, saw the fulfillment of the promise, you shall have a son in your old age. 13 years, uh, 30 years old, uh, Isaac was. He takes him up the mountain. And God says, kill him. But he says, ah, but I've got a revelation. that Though I slay him, you will raise him from the dead because your promises are true. That was his understanding, his revelation. Could you? I think he was spoken to the night before. Can you imagine the night? <laughs> Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up with my son and I'm going to take him up the mountain and I'm going to have to put my faith into action. He understood it. And listen to some of these other things. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Now, that doesn't seem like much. I, I was saying to Daniel, well, what faith is in there when you pray a blessing over someone? But he understood something. He knew that Jacob, the younger, would master over the Esau, the older, or Esau would serve the younger. He knew it. Listen to this next one. It's not very impressive either. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship, over the head of his staff. Again, if you know the story, Joseph had two sons. And he brought them before Jacob to bless them. And Jacob did this. The right hand went to the younger son. And he, said, he said, no, Father. He said, let me, let me be. He knew something. I'll tell you something. Your understanding, your revelation by faith. My revelation and understanding is by faith. We can know things that we can stand on the day when someone comes along and says, ah, but where's this evidence or where, where's this? You say, but I know. I know what God has said to me. I know that it's worth going through this. I know that I need to do this because I know that God has given me revelation. This is, this is faith. By, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Again, let's just unpack that. Where's the faith in that? The faith, 
Do you need faith to try to hide your child from being slaughtered? But they, and I've thought about this, they saw that he was beautiful. Is it, well, this one's an attractive one. Let's keep this one. Let's, let's let this one go. Or was it they saw something in him? By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Now that's fascinating. What kind of upbringing did Moses have? If you know the story, his mother became his carer. But something in Moses, by faith, he saw beyond the world. He saw beyond the, the treasures of the world, the pleasures of power, the pleasures of being a prince in the kingdom of Egypt. He saw beyond that. And he says, and this is, this is uh, fascinating, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. In other words, he was willing at 40 years old to, to leave Egypt though he gave himself a bit of a reason. And for 40 years, till he was 80, he worked as a shepherd, caring for sheep, because he considered that of greater value than to live in the heights of the world as represented by Egypt. Do you see that? Are you willing to be a shepherd for 40 years rather than to have the power and the wealth and the blessings of this world? Are you willing to clean the streets or to get in the muck of the world rather than keep the nice comfort of our homes, building up our empires. Faith, he understood something. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He understood something about God. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer, of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been in circle for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. In other words, they all knew something. They knew something that led to an action that had a dramatic conclusion. I once um, I saw a clip of a, um, a documentary that was scientifically looking into how Jericho's walls fell down. Their conclusion was is that after seven days of seven marches and then seven marching in, that the vibrations of the people would have dislodged the walls. So when they blew the trumpets, that was enough for them to shatter. I don't know. Maybe God just did it. Maybe that's just the thing. But they knew something. They knew to obey God. They knew when they stepped into the Red Sea that they would be safe. See, have you ever heard of faith is spelled R-I-S-K? Now, I was thinking about this. You know, faith isn't spelled R-I-S-K. I think sometimes when, our, when we know what God's called us to do, our flesh goes, whoa, 
And its risk is when you're denying the flesh. It's not the stepping in out of faith. There's not a blind leap of faith. If faith is understanding, if faith is knowing, if faith is assurance, and if faith is conviction, there's no risk. You put your faith in Jesus, there's no risk. But everything in you may kick against it. And that's, that might be splitting hairs, but I think it's a good distinction. Verses 32 to 38. I wonder, as we read this, I wonder um, what, how you would put yourself in their position if you felt God say to you, endure, obey. What more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats and destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I wonder whether you would do those things. You would obey God if it put you in those situations. Would I? When I say you, I mean me. As well. See, all these are accounts of faith. All that we've read in this chapter, when we've read about Abraham and Abel, they all did something. They didn't just stand there and just say, I believe. You know, James says later on, well, the devil believes and trembles, amen. This is James 2, 14 to 17. Um, this is the whole passage if you want to read this later. What good is it, brother, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? What does it mean when you say, John, just believe? Is it just that I have a mental kind of, yes, I believe, I believe? I was thinking this morning, you know, we've got a keyboard at home. The fact that we've got a keyboard at home doesn't mean I can play the piano. I mean, I can sit down and I can play some things and you will know that just because I have a piano, I cannot play it. Just because I say I have faith, it doesn't mean I do. This is his point. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And instead of the word works, you can put outworking, action. See, it's not that James is saying that we're saved by works. He's saying well, this is what real faith is. Man, it's so easy to say, I believe. I've had people come to me in the past, um, often young people, they say, I believe in God, I love the God, I just want to go and do what I want to do right now. In other words, I believe in God, I just want to live a life of sin. You can't have the two together. You read Hebrews in chapter 10, that unless you live by faith, you are living in sin. You can't have both together. Now, there's a difference there between stumbling into sin 
but that's not my subject this morning. 18 to 26, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. Faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. See, I think it's really important that we labor this point. You can't be saved by works. You can only by save, be saved by faith. But your faith has works. You've got to get it the right way around, haven't we? And this is what, when you read this passage and you read all that they did, Noah built an ark, Enoch walked with God, Abel made a sacrifice, Abraham brought his son to be sacrificed. These guys who blessed were obedient to break the tradition in order to bring the word of God. Our faith has works, which means that we can't say, all we need to do now is believe. I believe God for my salvation and off I go to live the same old life of sin. Verses 39 to 40, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Literally, this, is, this means... And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive the promise. That's what it literally means, the promise, in reference to that day when Jesus was going to come and bring about a new covenant. That's why it says here, God has provided something better for us. In Hebrews 8, verse 6, it says, As it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. And this is the better covenant that we enjoy today. Ezekiel says in chapter 36, 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. They looked ahead and they saw there's something better coming. And their faith was still strong to the day they died, even though they knew future generations like us who are going to believe that same promise are going to receive the Spirit of God. Amen? So what can we be encouraged by this? This is where, at the beginning, we, we saw this um, uh, in verse 30, 36 says, you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so the Hebrew writer is saying, listen, you've got to keep with God, keep in faith, believing in faith. There is no salvation for sin outside of faith in God. There is no other sacrifice for sins. You can go back to the law, but the law never saved anyone. You can read this in Hebrews and then he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, since we're surrounded by people who have believed God, 
Even though when you look at some of these people like Abraham, he believed God even though he was willing to put his wife in jeopardy by saying he was, she was his sister. And go forward and you look at uh, Noah, who after the great work of building the ark and then in the flood was a drunkard and lay, would lie naked and drunk. Then you would look, go forward, and you look at Moses, who was a murderer. You look at David, who was an adulterer. And you look at all these people, and yet God credited to them righteousness, not on the basis of their works, but on the basis of their faith. But all these did not have the spirit, which we do. And this is what he's saying. We've got this great cloud of witnesses. They're there in the great running, uh, uh, what they call that place again, where the people do sports. The arena. Thank you. And there we are on the track, and they've run their race. They're up there, and they're shouting, come on, endure, believe, keep going. Believe even though you're not going to see the end of it. But it says here, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, which we've been hearing this morning, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Is there any encouragement about this chapter? This is fantastic to me. I love it. Because it just makes things solid in my heart. I know where my salvation is put. It's not in my behavior. It's in my faith to believe and trust in God. Now, I'm, I don't want to live a life of sin. That's not the life of faith. I want to believe God for greater things. And I want to encourage you to do so as well. Even if you're at the beginning of the race and you're standing there saying, am I going to believe God or not? Or it's all it is. Am I going to believe God or not? See, these have been so faithful. And we have received the Spirit. We look back to the cross and all they had was the faith to look forward. But maybe if we had the same attitude, what could God do with us? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Scripture tells us in Ephesians that faith is a gift from God. It's not of work, so no one can boast. Lord, I believe that you are implanting faith in hearts this morning. Lord, that you're asking us to believe. Father, to believe you for our lives, to believe you, Lord, that we may know the truth and understand and have the revelation of what is true and what is right in this crazy world we live in. Lord, you're asking us to believe you for our own sins, that you would take away our sins because we cannot do it on our own, Lord. You're asking us to trust you and rely on you every day to live by faith, Lord, and that our faith as an expression of obedience, Lord, that our actions, Lord, will be those, Lord, that are shown because we are believing you and trusting you. Father, Lord, as we think about this communion, may it be an expression of our faith this morning. Lord, we're taking this bread and we're taking this juice, Lord, because we're saying, Lord, we are putting all our eggs in one basket for you. We're risking everything for want of another word. We're putting it all in, your, in, in for you, Lord, and we're going to believe you, Lord, and we're going to receive the promise of God in our own lives.
Lord, as we take this communion, may it be our response to say, Lord, will you increase my faith? Or it might be, Lord, I believe in you for my salvation. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to come and take of this bread and take of this juice as a sign to say, I'm going to take Jesus and make him a part, the all within me, to be my life. So Lord, I want to thank you for that and just pray you come and minister now in Jesus' name. Amen.